All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthume and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 8, Episode 25 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast. It has been a minute since we've done one of these things. I hope everyone had a terrific holiday and a happy new year to everybody. We have a online edition of the DFO Fantasy Podcast today. You got Brock, you got Dylan, you got Biebs, but we are all virtual today so hope everybody uh out there all the listeners had a good christmas had a good new year but boys how are you guys doing beeps good christmas good new year doing good yeah it's uh it's been a while i wasn't too sure if i'd remember how to work this mic and and i don't as we can tell by my constant stuttering here but no things have been good um you know hockey hockey doesn't sleep but uh but that's all right. I can't complain. Lions are winning. We got playoff hopes this weekend. And I don't know if I've ever said that in January about a Detroit football team. So here we are um, doing great. But then D is going to come in and say relatively the same thing. And it's going to make me all sad. But D, how are you doing over there? Uh, I'm good. I, I mean, I'm looking forward to spoiling you guys playoff hopes on the weekend and then the Packers flaming out in the playoffs. So that'll be a good time. But uh, no, happy to be back on the mic. Uh, no camera to me or today for me. So you guys just get to look at my uh, gray blob of a square and I can just scowl for free at the two of you all day and not have to hold back. So squares quite the improvement. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're, we might keep this on regularly. I like you better with the square, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so today's episode, we haven't talked about free agency waiver wire pickups in a while. Um, so we're going to go through a, a large list of forwards and goalies that are available on the waiver wire. Uh, there's a number of really, really good options uh, that should be considered in a variety of leagues. So for forwards, uh, our highest owned player is 32%. Our lowest owned skater is 3%. So we have a wide uh, array of players in, in all sorts of uh, league sizes available for you today. And then from goalies, we go from 52% down to 15%. So we're going to rip through. We've got about 18 players to talk about that we uh, like, some more than others. But uh, here's some of the most popular pickups right now. We'll start at the top, 32% owned. We'll work our way down through ownership percentage. Phil Deneau. So if you're, I guess I should say it's, it's smart that we do it highest to lowest owned because it, if you're in a league that is, you know, not very deep or, or is very deep, excuse me. Um, 
you know, you can probably just skip the first 15 minutes of the show and get to the ownership uh, percentage that matters to you. Philip Deneau at 32% owned of the LA Kings. That LA Kings second line uh, was really, really good last year, and they've been just as good so far this year. You know, Victor Arvidsson's missed some time. Now Trevor Moore's missed some time. But they've done a really, really nice job uh, insulating Phil Deneau with, with other good wingers, and it just doesn't seem to matter who's on that line. They have been playing really, really well. So Phil Deneau, Alex Ifollo, Victor Arvidsson, they're all on this list. So let's just talk about them as a whole here. Phil Deneau, 32% owned, just center eligible. Victor Arvidsson, left wing, right wing eligible, 29% owned. And then Alex Iafalo, just left wing eligible, but also just 8% owned. So let's start with Phil Deneau. Uh, nine points, five goals, four assists in his last eight games. 2.8 shots per game over that stretch, which is a lot better than what you normally get out of Phil Deneau. Averaging over 18 and a half, or right around 18 and a half minutes per night. If you look back even further, it's not just a, a, a short uh, hot streak here for Phil Deneau. 21 points, 8 goals, 13 assists in his last 26 games. Um, shot volume, a little bit lower, 2.1 shots over that you know prolonged stretch. But he's shooting the puck more. Um, probably has to do with the fact that Trevor Moore is not on that line at the moment. He's really the guy that takes pretty much every shot. Um, so yeah, you've got Arvidsson, you've got Trevor Moore taking a lot of shots. Doesn't leave a lot for Phil to know, but with Moore out of the lineup, it's left a little bit more on Deneau's plate. Uh, D, we'll start with you here. Phil to know, what do you think about? Uh, yeah, I think he's certainly a worthy pickup. Um, to me, it's, it's gotta be a 12 team league or deeper for you, obviously to really, you know, consider dedicating a long-term spot for him just cause he still just has that loan center eligibility. Um, and in most leagues with the roster makeup, you're going to find it pretty hard to fit him in in the busier slates. Um, but yeah, when you get to 12, 14 teams, I, I think it's a guy that can produce on a, on a nightly basis. Um, there's a lot of fluctuation in that lineup, which, you know, you'd like it to be a little bit more consistent. But the one, um, I guess the one nice thing or the one positive out of that is that he has spent most of the season with Victor Arvidsson. Uh, you know, you'd rather him probably get a little bit more exposure to Kevin Fiala, uh, who's currently on the third line. But I, I think as long as he's got one of Arvidsson, Fiala, or Kempe there, Deneau's such an effective play driver in his own right that uh, as long as he's got one of those three guys there, I, I feel pretty good about him just picking up some consistent assist totals because he's just going to continue to create so many chances for his line mates. And you feel pretty good about at least, uh, like I said, if you got one of those three guys in there pretty good about at least one of his linemen's taking those chances. So, uh, yeah, I just think, you know, as we've seen in his time in LA and the few years before that in Montreal, when Philip Deneau is on the ice, his team is going to get the overwhelming majority of the scoring chances. So I, I think he's a nice, safe pickup. He's probably not going to deliver you a ton of goals in his own rights, but he should be a really consistent uh, producer in terms of assists the rest of the way. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I really like about all kind of three of these guys, um, which is a great sign that happened last night was, a lot of teams will play, you know, power just a strict power play one. Uh, th these three guys are on power play two, and they actually outplayed the power play one last night. Um, I'm pretty sure that they nearly doubled them in minutes, which is just a good sign, um, especially when you're linking fantasy production to a lot of power play time like we often do. Uh, D kind of mentioned it here. If you're playing with the no, usually your team's going to have the puck. Usually you're going to be driving the play. So if you're driving the, driving the play in 5v5 and you're getting majority of power play minutes, all three of these guys are looking – like great pickups right now. I know that I have two of three of them in the league, which uh, I'm kind of in that point where I picked them up to almost be streamers. And now it's getting a little awkward because they've stuck around longer than uh, longer than originally planned. I, I think on here, I like Arvidsson the best just with the left wing and right wing eligibility. Um, but if you can get your hands on any one of these three, I think you're looking more at what's kind of coming around as maybe not the top line in LA, but it seems like they have a one, a one B now. Um, and, and it doesn't seem like that, you know, that power play time is going 50, 50 down, down the middle. So, um, it, it bodes well for these guys and it, it's pretty crazy that they're this low owned on a team that I think will, you know, slip into the playoffs this year. Yeah. Arvidsson's probably my favorite two left wing right wing eligible. Um, he's just probably been the guy that's done it for longer too, a little bit more, uh, trustworthy, especially with the shot volume. The one thing that's really interesting about the Kings too, it says a whole, when you look, take a look at that division, not a lot of really, really good defensive teams. I mean, Vegas, Seattle, and Calgary are, are pretty good, like Vegas especially. But then you look at like Edmonton, Vancouver, San Jose, and Anaheim, th four pretty brutal defensive teams that they're going to see a lot of here uh, down the stretch. So the Ducks specifically, worst defensive team in the league. Uh, Vancouver, Edmonton, both bottom 10. But uh, Arvidsson for him, 16 points in his last 17 games. If you go back even further, he's got 30 points in his last 32 games, uh, averaging 2.5 shots per game over that stretch. Uh, very, very consistent ice time, 16 and a half minutes for him. 
Ayafalo, uh obviously missed some time with injury. He comes back. He gets put on this line since being uh, moved up. He's got seven points, four goals, three assists in his last seven games, averaging two shots per game and picking up uh, 17 and a half minutes a night. So the one thing that's pretty interesting about Ayafalo to me is, is that, you know, the Kings have shown a, uh, a willingness to really shuffle those lines around this year, especially kind of moving things around, whether it be Quinton Byfield, whether it be Gabe Velarde, whether it be Kevin Fiala, uh, they've tried out different players on, on Zay Kopitar's wing. And we know that Alex Ayafalo is a guy that has spent a prolonged amount of time on that line. And when Trevor Moore gets back, you know, I would imagine that that probably pushes Quentin Byfield back to the AHL and you could potentially see Alex Iofalo move up to that top line. And, you know, it seems like they really like having Fiala and Velarde together on the third line. So that's Where kind of an average. Where do you think Kaliev does? Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, yeah. Kaliev's going to come back as well. They've got a lot of really talented wingers. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But uh, for me, I think like if you're in deeper leagues, picking up Iofalo is a really good option mm-hmm. right now while he's cooking on this line. And then who knows, you know, what the future could hold. If he does end up getting moved up, um, you know, that could bode well. He could continue to play extremely well. If he moves back down, you drop him. Yeah. I will say I gave up my one streaming spot last week to grab Iofalo on an off night. That's how much I was impressed with kind of how he's looked, how he's played and how much I want him on a team in a deep league. Cause I think he can be a game changer if he can kind of kind of ride this out. We've seen, seen some very good numbers from him before. Anything to add on Arvidsson or Iofalo before we move on D? Uh, yeah, I would agree that Arvidsson's definitely, you know, the choice out of the three. I think, you know, their ownership rates probably reflect the, um, you know, their status and where we need to rank them. I, like I said, I'd have Arvidsson one to no two. For me, Iofalo is more of a distant third. Like, he's just not getting the minutes he was last year. And then even when he did get those minutes and we finally saw that uptick in, in volume for him last year, he had about two or he had 215 shots in 79 games last year. Still was just over a point every other game. Uh, with 37 points on the season. So I know he's been off to a pretty hot stretch. It seems to be more uh, shooting percentage induced than anything else. Uh, the shot volume is down even the last few games and he's been playing more. It's not quite where it was last year. So he doesn't excite me as much. Definitely has the potential to move up the lineup, but he just hasn't done much with that kind of role in years past. So I'm probably looking elsewhere than I follow, but I, I really like the other two. Brian Hartman returned from injury recently, um, kind of in a smaller role than we're used to seeing. Obviously, last year, spent a lot of time with uh, Matt Zuccarello and, and Kirill Kaprizov. But uh, since he's come back, he's playing with Freddie Gaudreau and Matt Boldy. He's picked up four points in his last six games, including three goals. He uh, has been shooting the puck a ton, 15 shots in four games, 2.5 shots per game. But like I said, under 14 minutes a night is a little bit concerning. But to me, he, he makes for an interesting pickup because again like I, I think that Sam Steele's been obviously on a really really nice run on that top line their underlying numbers are terrific it would suggest that he has a chance to stick there uh, but if that line does start to cool off a little bit you'd imagine that Hartman will be the first guy to be moved back up uh, between Kaprizov and Zuccarello so you know strict center eligibility while playing you know on the third line at the moment I, it doesn't really get me all that excited um, but I you know Perhaps if you wait too long, he and he does move up the lineup, he might be gone by then. Yeah, this is uh this is an interesting one because I think at thirty one percent, that is thirty one percent of people being hopeful. I just can't believe with some of the names we're gonna look at down the list that he's that much more owned than them because personally I don't know if I have enough room on a roster to wait for anyone to move up the lineup kind of like that. I, I, I do get the the success previously, but is Ryan Hartman's ceiling really worth, you know, waiting, waiting for him to get there? Maybe it is. And I guess while he's producing, you can kind of take that risk. One thing that you kind of mentioned that, that, that does bode well, only playing 1349 right now, that has to go up and realistically should go up. And w- when it does go up, who knows, it might bring him a little bit closer to numbers we saw last year. And if he does play on that line, it will go up. But as for now, I can't really wait on a guy like that. I'm, I'm, I'm quite surprised that he has 31% owned. Uh, maybe again, some wishful thinkers. Who knows? People yeah, I think it's lineups. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's exactly what he is. He was a pretty heavily drafted player, and yeah. then got hurt in October, and really hasn't reclaimed his spot in the lineup since coming back. So I'm sure it's mostly just inactive managers who didn't drop him during that stretch, or just haven't realized that he's not quite getting the same usage coming out of the injury. Um, but yeah, it's just an interesting one. You know, Classic. it's kind of tricky because he's not playing center right now, and it's it's hard to know if that's, um, you know where they kind of envision him long-term. I, I would kind of say that uh, you would expect his position eligibility to change uh, sooner than later. The fact that he's playing exclusively on the wing and he's only got center eligibility in Yahoo right now. Um, they're usually not too quick to pull the trigger on that uh, and get him the extra wing eligibility. So maybe once, you know, that gets dropped on him, then we can look at, uh, you know, 
him as more of a stash in standard leagues because he was really good last year. He had 34 goals yeah, in 82 incredible. games. Shot the puck 239 times. And yeah, it was the first time he really, you know, got those minutes on the top line and he came through in terms of the shot volume and, you know, take advantage of those chances, shooting 14%, a little bit high, but um, still, you know, you feel confident in getting or performing around a 30 goal pace if he's getting those minutes. But yeah, it's a, there's a lot of, I guess, factors at play here. Certainly not a guarantee that he returns to the top line. So I agree. It's probably more of a target in deeper leagues in the meantime, uh, but certainly just a situation to monitor because, Unlike Steele, this is a guy that likes to shoot the puck a lot. So if he does end up on that line, you know, it, maybe it's not as great in terms of their on-ice numbers and the chances the line's creating as a whole. But uh, Hartman will probably get more out of that spot than a guy like Steele would, you know, shooting just the one and a half times a game. Yeah. The one thing I, that I really like here, sorry, Biebs, uh, is just good. like maybe this will help kind of wake Gaudreau and Boldy up a little bit as well. I mean, Boldy's been solid, um, maybe not quite as good as people were expecting this year. Uh, but that line's obviously struggled without Kevin Fiala. And, and since Hartman's come back, it's a really small sample size, but the, the early returns have been super, super good. Uh, 31 scoring chances, four for 60. So uh, a lot better than what they were seeing originally. I think they were around 20 scoring chances, you know, before Hartman was added to that line. So hopefully, you know, that line can continue to play well and maybe earn some more minutes. Obviously, they like to give a lot of ice time to that uh, Erickson Eck shutdown line. And then obviously Kaprizov demands a ton of ice time as well. So there's not a whole lot left to go around. But, um, you know, I, I think it, that's a talented enough line with Boldy, Goudreau, and Hartman that they could have some success as a third line. But yeah, like I think that there are other names are on this list that excite me a little bit more than Ryan Hartman playing, um, you know, under 14 minutes a night in Minnesota. Anything to add really quickly, Beeps? I was just going to say that that that's for now, but granted, like you said, you know, if he picks it, if he does move up the lineup um, in any way, or even onto a top, that top power play unit, he all of a sudden is realistically the top name on this list. So. Yeah, if he's back with Kaprizov, he'd obviously be uh, much more appealing for sure. Uh, Dylan Strom's next. Dylan Strom is really interesting. He's somebody that I've liked this year more from DFS purposes, but his numbers with with Ovechkin, like on-ice numbers with Ovechkin have been so, so strong. Um, But then you you factor in, like nobody really knows exactly, you know, what's going to happen with this lineup. Uh, Connor Sheary is probably a name that we could have mentioned today as well. You've got, uh, you know, he's playing extremely well with Strom and Ovechkin, but You've got Wilson coming back any day now. You've got Backstrom coming back any day now. Like, is Backstrom realistically going to be the third line center? Like, you know, maybe at, at his age, coming off an injury, he's probably not going to play massive minutes. But you would imagine Wilson's going to be back on that Ovechkin line. Mm-hmm. So, it, it I, like to me, like I, I still like Strom. He's got uh, 16 points in his last 23 games. What I really like about Strom is how much he's producing on the power play. But again is is his power play role completely safe it's really kind of uh unsure at this point exactly how everything's gonna shake out so i think strom is a name to monitor but certainly not somebody that i'm running to the waiver wire to pick up because he's um he's been pretty productive and his own percentage really hasn't risen too much anyway so i don't think you have to worry about him just kind of disappearing off the wire on you yeah i think you know if you're gonna get strom you you do it now you kind of mentioned it tom wilson coming back backstrom as well um and and wilson's it's kind of they kind of both suck coming back because one's gonna take backstrom you mentioned might not take that top six type minutes but he's gonna take the power play usage we all know how elite of a passing player he is and that's gonna move some pieces around there also tom wilson in previous years has been on power play one and they have shown him that kind of uh you know, kind of that kind of respect to put him back in there. And I can see it happening again. So I think it, it Strom, he's almost like a, a tube of toothpaste and you're at that last little bit. You got to squeeze it out now. Um, and in a week from now, he, I could realistically see him back down that lineup because there is talk that Wilson's in after tomorrow's game um, or at least expected to to be a game time. And then I, I, I believe Backstrom is going to be a day or a game or two behind that. So there's going to be a ton of movement in there. So maybe get him in this weekend, but uh, at 26%, like you said, He's there. Grab him if you want him, but uh, he'll be right back there in a week on that waiver wire. So, not yeah, totally agree. Not, not much to add. I think he falls um, probably towards the bottom six once they get healthy. Um, but in the meantime, he's worth having. So you might as well just pick him up if you do have the spot um, and then just see how the situation unfolds. Don't hesitate to drop him if he loses a spot on that top line or the power play unit. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting, right? Like, you know, where does where do a lot of these guys factor in? You know, TJ Oshie's already on the third line. Sonny Milano, Anthony Mantha, Lars Eller. What happens when you've got Strom, Kuznetsov, Backstrom, and Dow down the middle? Does Eller go to the wing? Does Strom move back? Like, there's so yeah. many possibilities. This is a team yeah, that looks, a lot you know, thicker. They, they're real deep when you add Backstrom and Wilson back into the mix. Obviously, it's uh, you know, 
unfortunate that they're going to be missing John Carlson for pretty much the rest of the fantasy season. But um, if Eric Gustafson is available on your waiver wire, still make sure you're running to the wire and picking him up because he uh, continues to play well. He's back on his, uh, he's back on his uh, shit from what was that? 2018 yeah, his entry level. His entry uh, yeah. He, he was shit. just crazy that one year. I, I can't remember exactly what year it was. But he could, it was, it was the call to you one of the pickups of the year. Yeah. So oh, yeah, for sure. incredible power play year. It was, it was basically yeah, like no, the he, exact same thing we've seen from him. Yeah, so it was uh, 2018-19. Yeah, 17 goals, 43 assists, 60 points in 79 games. But yeah, if he's somehow still available, I think he's around 56% or something like that. If you, one of you guys has Yahoo open, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's it's certainly not super high, and he's one of the best defense options, and it's not like there's uncertainty surrounding John Carlson. Like He is ruled out for pretty much the rest of the regular season. Uh, 61 in climbing. 61. Okay. Yeah. Still like he's available, you know, 39% of leagues. games. Yeah. He's yeah, been incredible. In his last eight. So he's just and, on and, fire, and, including a hat trick on the top power play unit as well. When, you know, we all know how good that power play unit is already and how good it can be when you get guys like Nick Backstrom back. Uh, Biebs, one of your boys, JT Comfer, uh, center right wing eligible, 26% owned six, uh, six points, excuse me, three goals, three assists in his last five games, averaging 3.2 shots per game over that stretch and 31 and a half minutes per or 23 and a half minutes per night. Imagine he was playing 31 minutes. Um, but over his last, you know, looking back, even oh. across his last 16 games, 14.6 goals, eight assists, uh, 2.8 shots on goal and averaging again over 23 and a half minutes per night. So uh, the injuries have really forced the avalanche to rely heavily on their top six. Uh, McKinnon being out obviously increased his time on ice, but I don't think it's going to drop too drastically given how many injuries they still have in that bottom six and, and just kind of how thin that bottom six was, was to begin with. So uh, Comfort still in the top power play unit, still going to play a decent amount of minutes. But uh, at 26% owned, like, you know, if you give me a piece of the top power play unit in Colorado, I'm all for that. Uh, so, Biebs, you watch these guys every night. What do you think about JT? Yeah, um, I don't know. If, if if you're an avid listener, you might remember a guy by the name of Evan Rodriguez that we were pit, popping off about a couple months ago. Well, he's hurt now. And now there's a new Evan Rodriguez in town in Colorado, and that, that is JT Comper. And back then, I wanted a piece of Evan Rodriguez. Now, I want a piece of JT Comper. I have him actually in all three of my leagues. I think he's actually probably my one of my ah, – he's my favorite name on this list. You said it. He's on power play one, especially with Nathan McKinnon back. Him keeping that position on that power play really, really stands out because we got to see Nazem Kadri have an absolutely incredible breakout year last year. Um while in that top power play spot, snap those draws back, steal those secondary assists from Kale McCarr, stuff like that. That's what you love to see. Um, you mentioned it. This kind of this hasn't been a recent thing. 14 points in his last 16 games. He's shooting a bunch, just under three shots per game in that time. There's a lot to like. And another thing that I was a little worried about with McKinnon coming back, I figured, you know, we're going to see Comfort go back below 20 minutes per game. Nah, he instead just picked up the same amount of minutes they then stretched out mckinnon's minutes with the bottom six minutes and it worked out quite well and i think that's just going to be the way that colorado is going to have to play while they're all dinged up and trying to just stay in the playoff hunt um so yeah so personally my favorite player on this list jt comfort um while this is happening and while there's injuries this is who i want um but you know nishushkin's expected back soon evan rodriguez could be any time so when that does happen he could very easily become completely useless. So, you know, enjoy it while it lasts. But while it's on the top power play, you want all of that. All of it. D, you were talking about uh, Comfort a couple weeks ago, too. You really like just the massive amount of minutes he's, he was playing. Are you still as hot uh, on Comfort with McKinnon back in the lineup? Uh, obviously not as hot. You'd love for him to get yeah. exposure to, I guess, the big two right now with um, Landis Cog out. You'd love to see him get some more 5v5 exposure to Ranton and McKinnon. But, yeah, like this is obviously still a team that generates a ton of chances at 5v5. Should still be playing, you know, a few minutes every night with Kale McCarr at 5v5, which, uh, you know, could obviously lead to a fair amount of chances as well. But, yeah, like as long as he's playing this much on the Colorado Avalanche and, like Beef said, on the top power play unit, he's certainly worthy of a spot and um, worth playing on any given night. I I'd be just kind of weary dropping some long-term options, but obviously, yeah. you know, um, it just depends what it comes down to. But yeah, on a given night, I would love to have this guy in my lineup right now. He's been all over my DFS lineup simply because 
Um, he's just a category filler right now as, to, as long as he's playing as much as he is. So especially in any sort of points leagues or, you know, extended category leagues where you're, you're taking into consideration things like shots, hits, block shots. Uh, yeah, I think he is pretty close to a must play right now, just, you know, in terms of finding a way to get him into your lineup as long as he's playing as much as he is. So we'll see what happens, like Beep said, when they get a little bit healthier towards the end of the month. But uh, definitely riding the wave or, or squeezing out that that toothpaste, like Beeb's so eloquently put it uh, <laughs> for the time yeah. being. This is like a Costco sized toothpaste compared to the Dylan Strom regular one. Right. We're yeah. probably about halfway through. Yeah. Um, okay. And this is just a, a Beebs heavy segment here as we move along to Clean his boy, teeth. Nick Schmaltz. We, we talked about this is episode Ooh. 25 of this season. And I think we've talked about Nick Schmaltz on roughly 17 of the episodes. So uh, still around 21% owned. Uh, I think a lot of the reason his, his ownership isn't climbing quite as fast as Beebs would like it to is, well, one, he still plays for the Arizona Coyotes, but he's, he, he was injured for a little bit obviously uh was a drop candidate while he was out and then kind of returned out of nowhere yesterday uh had another solid night but he's picked up 13 points four goals nine assists in his last 11 games uh, 1.8 shots on goal per game over that stretch 19 minutes per night so like obviously not a guy that's going to score you a ton of goals but I, I talk about it on my dfs show a lot uh, this is still a top line with, with clayton keller uh, Travis Boyd that does do a fair amount of damage they're pretty solid on the power play as well so Schmaltz is just going to continue to pick up points it, it seems uh, you know similar to kind of the numbers that we saw him uh, put up last year when he had 59 points in 63 games he's at 17 points through 20 games this year so it, it doesn't look super fluky um, it is a little nervy that you know he, he shot you know 18% and 17% so far but like there's really no big red flags here. The on-ice shooting percentage is a little bit high, but like I said, this is a, a talented enough line that um, I think he can still kind of maintain this this point, like you know, a point every every game almost, really. Yeah, I mean, Beebs, no, like I, I I don't love him as much as you do. I know you're about to just go full gush mode on him, but um, he's been no, he's been sure. solid for like if you look at it, like realistically, his last two seasons he's he's got a full uh full season 83 games he has 76 points 30 goals 46 assists that's wild yeah no you know you know why i why i gush over this guy because i just don't like disrespect brock that's it and i think the fantasy community disrespects nick schmaltz um at 21 percent owned that's just no no it's gotta rise like you said he's near point per game production it's not like last year not to say that he did this last year but last year he put up i believe it was what 11 points in two games so not to say there's there's a glaring uh massive spike due to maybe one hot game he's doing this game in and game out and if you've had him in your lineup for the last say two weeks you've gotten over a point per game actually from him which is why it kind of blows my mind like you meant like that he's so low owned you did mention it the injury was there he plays for arizona but i don't care if we're looking at someone like people waiting on ryan hartman to maybe jump up to maybe get to 64 points i think nick schmaltz can absolutely give you that and he's less he's 10 percent less owned um where people kind of worry he might hurt you in the plus minus department really hasn't been that big of a of a, of a drawback for him this year he's actually just an even uh zero in the plus minus department which, which i think speaks volumes in itself just for how strong that line is um and i think maybe that d's boy krell the the, the um is playing just absolutely incredible so that might help that as well but no maybe I, that's uh, why he keeps missing the missing games he's like oh we got a tough opponent tonight maybe i'll just sit out so i can maintain that even plus absolutely minus. he's like i need beeps to keep popping off about me because yeah i'm way too under own but no i think i think he should honestly be closer to 50 percent. but i i can only preach that out every week and uh till then just guys keep grabbing him and putting him on your team and he's not a streamable player he's a rosterable player I don't think you can you can gush as much as Beebs did. Do you have anything else to add on this man? Uh no, just that I wish he shot the puck more yeah. and that I am kind of still just waiting for the bottom to fall out a little bit. He's had a 14% on a shooting percentage over what you as you said now, Brock, two seasons, but really just you know, a full season worth of games, 83 games played. So I, I just wish that he found a way to get more pucks towards the net because that would probably help offset you know, some of this likely regression that is coming his way. But even then, I think he'll still be a serviceable player. You know, if you're in first or second in your fantasy league, you know, you might have a hard time finding someone that's worth dropping for him. But I do, uh, you know, 100% agree that the ownership should be way higher than it is. Because certainly if you're battling for a playoff spot or in the, you know, bottom half of your league and you're just looking for someone who gets 
consistent minutes, consistent power play time, and, you know, is able to produce and uh, clearly an opportunistic player with a career 40% shooting percentage, then, then he could definitely help you out. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of a fringe player on, uh, on this list, similar to maybe uh, a lot of these players, but uh, you know, on your roster, fringe roster players, but Scott Lawton, 16% on center left wing eligible. Um, if you look at dailyfaceoff.com, you'd see that he's playing on the third line, but if you take a little bit of a deeper dive, he's playing 18 and a half minutes a night. He's still with Kevin Hayes. So it's listed as their third line, but they still play a ton. And he's picked up nine points, five goals, four assists in his last eight games. He's only shot 1.6 shots per game over that time. Uh, we've seen Scott Lawton put up, you know, fairly reasonable numbers to me. He's kind of just, a, you know, a deep league only if he's still available, I think you could ride a little bit of a hot streak here. Uh, you know, 30 points in 67 games last year, 20 points in 53 games this year before. Certainly not a guy that's going to explode, but while he's playing 18 and a half minutes, it's a massive jump in his usage from years uh, prior. Playing with Kevin Hayes, who's been great this year, um, I, I think Lawton is okay, but like I really don't care if, if, if you know, he'd be probably the, the bottom of the list for me. I don't think you guys probably have too much yeah, to add on, think, on Kevin Hayes. Or, I think he makes like on. a good pickup for, you know, say you need, say you need to fill it in on an off night, go grab Scott. Cause he might play 20 minutes uh, clearly in Tortorella's good books. So that's where you want to be and not where Kevin Hayes is. So um, yeah, I, I, he's definitely worth a mention while he's doing what he's doing, but no, I'm not, uh, I'm not jumping the gun for him. There's, there's some other, some other names around here. And one, we already mentioned in Alex, I follow that I would rather have than uh, Scotty Lotz. I, yeah, I agree. I'm not very interested in him at all. I think, you know, this is kind of just more of a hot streak than anything. His minutes on the year are basically identical to where he's been at during this hot stretch. And I mean, even if you just look at the teams that they've been playing over the last, whatever it is, uh, nine games that he's been on this bit of a heater, you got the Ducks in there, the Sharks, yeah. the Blue Jackets, the Kings, um, even the Devils have been, you know, not quite to the same level. So it hasn't been, um, you know, uh, that tough of a stretch for him. And he's certainly, certainly taken advantage of it and feasted on some, uh, I guess, more uh, com- comparable competition for the for the Philadelphia Flyers this season. So, yeah, he's, like I said, I think it's more, nothing more than just a hot streak and certainly one that I'm not looking at, at outside of deep leagues. The, the guy on like the Flyers that I'm... version of Sean Couturier to me. Yeah, just maybe not as good. But Walmart regardless, version. the guy Walmart. that is interesting for the Philadelphia Flyers is Owen Tippett at 12% owned. Left wing, right wing eligible, plays even more over uh, the last uh, six games. He's averaged 23 minutes. Did I write that down wrong or is that accurate? Because like that just seems outrageous. For I'm not Tippett. seeing that. That's wrong. That's got to be wrong. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no there's way this no is way. correct. No, but anyway. 15 minutes. Yeah. Okay. The numbers, numbers? numbers? <laughs> yeah, it must have been. The numbers. Oh, you actually been... were. Yeah, those are his. <laughs> those are his exact numbers. All right. Well, let's pull up Owen Tippett's numbers. Because Owen Tippett's been uh, quite solid as well. Shooting the puck a ton playing big minutes and uh, well, maybe not quite as big as we maybe have thought, but uh, in December, basically 10 points in 13 games, six goals, four assists, 34 shots on goal, averaging 15 minutes per night. Man, I was like, there's no way Owen Tippett is playing 19 minutes a night. So that makes more sense. But nonetheless, the shot volume remains really good over 2.6 shots per game for Owen Tippett. Uh, playing on the top, you know, it, it's so hard to say the top line because like we just said, they're they're listed as the top line, but they play less than Kevin Hayes and, and, and Scott Lawton. But Owen Tippett is a guy that that has shown out pretty well, you know, during his time with the Flyers. He, he was a big part of the Claude Giroux trade and, and he's been pretty solid. I mean, 20 points in 33 games on the season so far, does like to shoot the puck, has a good shot. To me, he's more interesting than somebody that I would rather have uh, than Scott Lawton. Do you guys agree with that? yeah i think uh just due to do the the kind of upside here um and just the you know the what ifs um sure i kind of feel the same way about that i don't know how i feel about this no i i definitely agree because like just the fact that he's shooting as much as he is like just in terms of shots per game basis he's already up there leading the team um, and we've talked about all these dusters getting big minutes in Philadelphia right now. So <laughs> there's like, it's not hard to imagine this guy uh, shooting up their lineup. He's kind of been one that I've, you know, had a star on. He's been on my watch list on Yahoo for like the last four seasons, simply because in these limited roles, he's always shooting at a pretty impressive uh, mm-hmm. rate. Like uh, the last year split between Florida uh, and Philly, averaging just 13 minutes of ice. He was up over two shots a game. Uh, similar the year before that in Florida, 11 and a half minutes, 86 shots in 45 games. So really impressive um, shot totals when you consider the fact that, you know, he's barely getting out there in two uh, 
most likely and, and certainly not playing with the most effective play drivers on the third and fourth lines of these teams. So the fact that he's, uh, like I said, been so productive from a shot volume standpoint, always one I've been interested in just kind of like, Hey, if this guy gets more ice, um, there could be some real potential here for some goals, uh, assists, you know, we don't, haven't really seen anything in this game that would suggest that would be a thing, but I do think he's one again, just to kind of keep on the watch list in standard side leagues, probably want to go after right now in deeper leagues, but you just want to see that ice time grow a little bit. Cause if it does, and like I said, it's, it's certainly, there's so many routes for him. Uh, to play more minutes than he is right now, get that extra two or three minutes. We could be talking about, you know, closer to four shots a game than three shots a game and, you know, borderline on elite levels uh, and a pretty easy route to, you know, a 30, 35 goal pace. So certainly one to to watch for me. Um, and yeah, keep an eye on in standard leagues, go after in deep leagues. He's going to be like Trevor Moore in a couple of years, like guy that was maybe a little bit forgotten, finds himself finally with a good play driver, firing 900 shots a, a, a night and, and starts to score goals finally. Or he could be a Frank Vetrano and just never get the minutes and just be a hero of the podcast forever. Oh, yes. Nino Niederreiter? Another go. one of the heroes. I almost threw him on the list because he's a little bit hot right now, but I'm like, oh, nah. Uh, no. But speaking of hot, there's I don't know if there's a hotter player in the NHL right now, which is insane to say that Michael Amadio, center right wing eligible, 12% owned. I know I scooped him up as soon as he got moved to the top line, and it's been great. He's on a seven-game point streak. He's got nine points, five goals, four assists during that time. He has 21 shots on goal, three shots per game. He's playing 16 minutes a night. I was hesitant still to even recommend him because I'm like, man, Jack Eichel, Jonathan Marshall, they're going to be back soon, and and it's not going to matter. Michael Amadio is going to go back to being a bottom six player. Wrong. Jack Eichel was on the ice today. Michael Amadio is still on the top line. Amadio, Stevenson, Stone remains a line. They're playing so well. Why not? Um, Eichel was skating with Riley Smith and Nick Waugh. So, like, even that screams potential John Marcheseau with Smith and Eichel when he gets back and Amadio remaining in this role. So, I, I mean, he is as hot as they come right now. There's really no reason not to add him while he's playing in that spot. He's he's seeing all the important minutes. He's he's getting it done on a nightly basis. And, like, it, I, I get it. it. It's Michael Amadio is probably what <laughs> most people are, are thinking. But, you know, he had 98 points, 50 goals in, in his last year in the OHL. The year before that, he had 71 points in 68 games. He was a third-round pick. Like, he's no slouch. Um, you know, hasn't been a slow throughout his career point per game player at the AHL level. So, you know, maybe just putting him in this role is finally untapping some offensive potential. I certainly don't think that he is going to be a superstar, but from a fan's perspective off the wire, while he's playing in this role, there's really no uh, reason not to pick him up. D we'll start with you on this one. Anything else to, to, to add? Am I, am I pulling a full gush mode? No, uh, I think this is no. <laughs> this is more in line with Trevor Moore of a year ago. And just this is a guy that, you know, really nothing suggesting. Like you said, he's had some good years in junior to close it out and certainly was a productive player there. But nothing really to suggest in any of his numbers, uh, you know, in his time split between the Kings, a senator as well. And I do remember the cup of coffee with the Maple Leafs. That, before that coming back showing. Vegas. Yeah, he's, he barely got the chance to play. But, you know, uh, was still just around a shot per game, like nothing to be too excited about. So. For me, yeah, it's all about just looking at this very short sample size um, and the fact that he's produced so well. Um, you know, it's a tricky one to forecast in terms of their lineup as they get healthy. It's nice that he's still there right now with Eichel practicing, but, you know, it's not as simple as, okay, Eichel's the centerman, so Stevenson's going to move down the lineup. Obviously, Stevenson can play on either wing as well. Um, so where that exactly or how that exactly plays out, um, we'll have to see. But, you know, there is, you know, a realistic or, you know, a, <laughs> I guess an above 0% chance that, um, once they do get healthy, their lines shake out as something like Amadio Eichel Stone. You know what I mean? Like he could hang on to that wing and have Stevenson be replaced by Eichel. Um, and then Stevenson drop further down the lineup, either playing on the wing or maybe centering the third line um, and just really just, you know, uh, strengthening the, the depth of the lineup that much further. So it's an interesting one. But yeah, I agree. This is just totally a wait and see and, and or not wait and see, but in terms of, I guess, just stoop and see, like put, play him as long as he's, Playing on that top line, like he'll be a worthy spot start as is. And if he holds on to the role, great. You can keep him for as long as he's there because it'll probably be productive. And then if he loses the minutes, if not, just uh, you just let him go. Yeah, yeah. You owe you owe him nothing. He owes you nothing. And <laughs> and enjoy the ride while while you're on it. Um, yeah. I mean, if you got room for him, definitely go for it. I actually just went and checked to one of my leagues. Even you guys kind of talked me into just believing I would even want to. Here, let me Michael talk you about, into it even more. Season. Chandler yeah, Stevenson, Mark Stone, Michael Amadio, they spent 71 minutes together so far at 5-5. They're averaging 4.04 expected goals, 4 per 60, 38 scoring chances, and 19 high-danger chances, 4 per 60. One of the best lines in the NHL at the moment. 
They Ooh. are red hot. On a shooting percentage, 13%. It's high, but it's not as high as it could be for as hot as Michael Amadio is. Okay, we're going to really just rip through these last three names for the deeper league players. Uh, we already talked about Alex Iafalo at 8%. Sam Steele, still just 7% owned. He's got nine points, one goal only, but eight assists in his last 10 games. Shot volume is not great, just under two, but he's still playing over 17 and a half minutes per game. Uh, still on that top line with Kaprizov and Zuccarello. Like I said, he, he you know in a deeper league, I still think he's worth rostering because he's playing there every single night. That line has terrific underlying numbers. And so long as he's playing with Kaprizov and Zuccarello, I think he makes a, a viable option in deeper, deeper leagues. Capo Caco has moved back up to the top line with Zibanejad and Chris Kreider. That's another line that's averaging over 40 scoring chances, four for 60. They've been really, really good when Caco has been on that wing. He's got 10 points, five goals, five assists in his last 12 games. Uh, shot volume still needs a lot of work. But, uh, you know, of those 12 games, a lot of it did not come while he was playing on that top line. So while ever he's skating with Kreider and Zibanejad, he should be uh, at least looked at, again, in deeper leagues where you need to be rostering players that are under 10% owned. And the last, another Philadelphia Flyer makes the list. Morgan Frost, center left-wing eligible at 3% owned. He's got nine points, five goals, four assists in his last 10 games. Shot volumes over two per game. Uh, and he's averaging over 17 and a half minutes per night as well. So uh, he's been playing really well. James Van Riemsdyk. And I can't remember who's on the other side of that line, but they've been really, really good lately. Uh, th- again. Oh, Tippett. Yeah, exactly. There he is. Um, I couldn't remember if it was Konechny, but yes, Tippett. And then you've got Konechny with, with Noah Cates. and Noah Cates. Yes, <laughs> there it is. So uh, what a great lineup the Flyers have out Terrible. there. But uh, Morgan Frost has been a, a nice player for them so far this season. And uh, when he's playing over 17 and a half minutes per night, that's a great start. So, Let's go to the goalies now and break down some of our tenders. Uh, so a lot of the reason we're talking about this is we recently just saw Tristan Jari get hurt in the Winter Classic. Uh, for those of you that were watching, he did not travel with the Penguins, actually went back to Pittsburgh to be reevaluated. So he's going to miss some time. Uh, so if you're a Tristan Jari owner or you just need some help between the pipes, we've got you. But since we're talking about Tristan Jari injury, obviously that opens the door for Casey DeSmith, who's 15% owned. He is the lowest on this list. He looked really, really good during uh, his time during the Winter Classic. And he's just been a guy that we've talked about a lot, thinking that you know he's pretty good goalie that probably deserves a little bit more playing time. He's never really got it. Career 19, uh, 915 save percentage. This year, he's only 4-7-2, and two, but he's been pretty solid. Uh, 9-11 save percentage on the year. Uh, he's been definitely a lot better as of late. Bit of a sluggish start to the season. But uh, since the calendar flipped to February, his last nine, or sorry, November, his last nine starts, 4 4 and 1 with a 9 15 save percentage, right in line with his career average. So uh, this is a really good Penguins team. And so long as DeSmith is between the pipes for them, uh, he, he makes for a great start. So if you are a Jari owner and you didn't get DeSmith, we've got other names on this list we'll talk about. But DeSmith is, is definitely one of the more intriguing ones. Uh, D, this is your boy, favorite goalie in the entire NHL. <laughs> what do you have to say, Ever. Man? Ever. Uh, just nice to see him get an extended run, certainly capable and deserving of it. Uh, we'll see how long that opportunity lasts. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I always say he's worth starting and he's worth picking up every time he gets in between the pipes for Pittsburgh. Um, he is, you know, not a fantastic goalie, but he's proven himself to be slightly above average in terms of NHL goaltending, which is more than, uh, serviceable enough, uh, when you got the Pittsburgh Penguins playing in front of you. So yeah, I, uh, I think he's a, you know, <clears throat> Fantastic ad, not just for Yari owners, but anyone in particular, if he's still available out there and you want to beat the Yari owner to the wire, he'll be some really good short-term help. Yeah. He is the lowest owned uh, member of this, of this conversation. And um, probably the one that should be owned the most, right? Yeah. Going up every day for sure. Yeah. It's going to climb really, really quickly. So he's the lowest owned. So make sure, uh, you know, if he's not available, likely none of these other names are going to be available on the wire. Um, okay. We'll go back up to the top. This is a really weird one. Cause, um, like Frederick Anderson is probably going to be back at some point. Uh, but Auntie Ronta has been on a nice heater, but it's a checkoff excellent as well. So it's like, how are they really going to continue to manage? You know, are they going to trade one of these guys? Are they going to send check back to the NHL or AHL after playing so well? Like, I really don't know how they're going to handle this situation, but Ronta has been extremely good as of late six Oh and Oh in his last six starts, eight ninety nine save percentage is good enough on any given night to win with the, uh carolina hurricanes he has two shutouts in that stretch as well so he actually wasn't playing that great then he went on like just i think it was back-to-back shutouts and then yeah, um and then now he's won six in a row so the hurricanes are an absolute juggernaut so if he's available in your league like whenever he gets a start he, he's gonna make for a good a good option like wait, he has two only. shutouts in his last six games and he still only has a save percentage below 900 i think it i think his games went something like this four goals against four goals against four goals against shutout shutout four goals against something oh. like that P- um, Peter Peter's healthy again. 
they're still going to give Ronta starts. I mean, he was, he was lights out. They, they rode him for a while there. They're, he's still going to get starts. When Anderson gets back, it's going to be weird how it shakes out. But any goalie starting for the Hurricanes right now is a good play. So if you've got room for him, I, I would certainly be looking to add him. Kachekov obviously would be the number one target, but I, I know obviously his own percentage is gotten out there to the point that, um, you know, we're not even really going to be talking about him. But let's just pull it up anyway for fun. 60 or sorry, 70%. So yeah, uh, yeah. can't really include him in this conversation probably agree that you guys don't have a ton to add on Ranta, but you would take him if he was available in your league. I'd take him any night he's starting and I wouldn't hesitate to drop him on the nights. He's not just cause yeah. I think it'll be pretty spotty until Freddie gets back. It'll be even spottier after that. I would expect he stays coach. goes down because he can. What a shame. Yeah. Guy just gets sent down with like a nine twenty five. Yeah, and then they don't have to resign Freddie in a few years. I think is Ranta done after this year? So I would imagine yeah. that they just sit on their wealth of goalies for the rest of the season, enjoy it. You know, both Ranta and Freddie have uh, some injury history to them as well, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see Kachetkov back at some point this season. But uh, yeah, I you know Ranta I, I think is a little bit more than a spot starter at this point, just because it'll probably be split in duties at best till Freddie gets back, and then it'll be a backup at that point. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who goes next game. Chekhov gave up four last night against the Rangers. Uh, granted, 30 shots. And granted, it is the Rangers, and it was his first game back after, um, as we mentioned, a little bit of an absence. And that's kind of, you know, helps Ranta there was the fact that he was the only goalie that could realistically play for a few of those games. So, um, I don't know. I don't know. I like a Yeah, you don't love Ranta. It, I, I always thought Ranta was fine and. Any, any goalie playing behind this wagon right now is fine. By yeah. Me. Uh, Ronta and Anderson, both sick. unrestricted free agents at the end of the season. Anton Forsberg of the Ottawa Senators, uh, he's obviously taking the smaller half of the pie for the uh, for the Senators so far this season because uh, Cam Talbot's played so well. But uh, I talked about Forsberg yesterday on my DFS show. I really liked him. He posted a shutout that always makes me look good. He was my spot start of the day on daily faceoff that always makes me look good. So I, I really got a lot of respect for this guy right now. And uh, he's four, two and one, and he's got a nine thirty five save percentage in his last nine games. Very, very quietly having a terrific, terrific run. So uh, I, I think that this is, you know, with, with each passing game where he's playing great, this is inching closer and closer back um, to a 50, 50 split. And, and, you know, there's a chance, obviously if he continues to play lights out that he could even end up starting more games than came down, down the road. But this looks like a 50, 50 split on a team that can score some goals. And if he He's putting up a 935. Uh, he's definitely rosterable in my eyes. Yeah, no, especially while Cam Talbot's, you know, kind of struggling as he is. Not struggling, but I mean, he hasn't put up a save percentage. Uh, he's at it. He's been closer to an 850 in three of his last five games and has been a 900. Um, so, you know, if, if he's going to continue to struggle and Forsberg's going to continue to be a wagon, this team, uh, as much as it maybe didn't seem it early on, is kind of in a win win now-ish mode um and i do think that they're gonna play the hot hand that's what they got them both there for um i i, I like forsberg Berg a lot um cam talbot down to a 9 11 save percentage this year after starting incredibly hot so might be seeing a bit of a of a turn of the uh of the the tables or whatever whatever that that old saying is here <laughs> d anything to add on forsberg I shouldn't or certainly wouldn't be rushing to the wire, but I agree that if you're in trouble, like this is a guy that can probably give you, you know, one to two starts a week that that should be pretty serviceable. So he's he's definitely an option. You know, I think Talbot's the number one uh, in terms of that one A, one B. I guess he would be the one A. Yeah, um, but that's what they brought him in for. You know, they didn't trust the, the good season Forsberg had last year, understandably so. Um, but yeah, I mean, Talbot, he's played well. So I, I think Forsberg. You know, he's got some cushy matchups the last few times he's been out there, kind of like a backup normally does. He's taking advantage of them um, with against the Blue Jackets and Sabres. I think it was Sabres, obviously a pretty decent team this year, certainly in terms of as an offensive threat. But um, but yeah, like I said, not a guy that I'm rushing to pick up. But if you're in trouble, should get some more consistent work than what you'll normally find on the wire for, like you said, Brock, a, a pretty good hockey team. Philip Gustafson, we've been talking about him a lot. I don't think we need to add too much more. He's basically in a dead, even 50-50 split with Marc-Andre Fleury at this point. They've all, they're alternating games, so you know what you're getting from him. He's playing great when he gets the nod. Going to be a nice test for him tonight against the Tampa Bay Lightning, but he's 7-1-0 with a 936 save percentage and one shutout in his last eight games. We talked about him a bunch before the break. I don't think much has changed uh, um, You know, to change, sway your guys' opinion one way or the other. Like if They were in a 50-50 split before the break. Same thing now. He yep. would be... 
like I, I it just depends what you need I, I think if you're if you need a starting goaltender right now uh and the next guy that we're about to talk about for the kings is available then I, i'd probably lean that way but i think if you're in you know you're not in desperation mode like gustafson is probably the best long-term ad out there just because this this battle just keeps um kind of bending towards his direction and like i talked about a few weeks ago like they're gonna give mark andre flurry every chance to take this job back over they'd probably be much more comfortable than uh, you know rocking uh mark andre flurry with a 915 save percentage in the playoffs than a philip gustafson but if it keeps going the way it's going like you know the writing is on the wall um and he's going to just eventually take over that job uh, which would be, you know, much more valuable than any of the other potential starting positions we talked about, obviously, save for Antti Ranta and the Hurricanes or the short-term Casey DeSmith. So I think he's the best long-term ad you can find in goal on the market right now just because, um, you know, we'll probably check back in in a couple weeks, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's, you know, kind of leaned more towards a 60-40 split than the true 50-50 it is right now. It, it's crazy because we just basically, like our last episode, all we did was gush about how much we liked Gustafson and how much we liked Phoenix Copley and their ownerships haven't really risen too much. And we're still talking about, if you take a look at it in terms of expected goals against in all situations, uh, the Kings are the fourth best team in the league and the wild are fifth best. I mean, these are two of the best defensive teams. And we talked about Copley. If he can just play well, give them average goaltending better than Jonathan quick has been doing. Yeah. He's going to win a lot of games because this is a good defensive team. And that's exactly what's happened. He's come in he's played great. He's given them a nine nineteen save percentage and he's gone seven and zero in his last seven starts. I mean, that's all he, that's all that team needed. And he's coming in and doing exactly that. Gustafson has been even better. I mean, 936 save percentage is just absolutely incredible. And after a bit of a sluggish start, he's been terrific. So, uh, yeah, both these guys are great. Copley's at 38, Gustafson's at 39, both terrific defensive hockey clubs. Um, you know, at times, both can be decent offensive clubs. They're probably not going to get a ton of goal support most nights. Take a look at expected goals for in all situations. The Wild are 19th, the Kings are 21st. So, uh, they definitely sacrifice some offense for good defense, but that bodes very, very well when you're picking up their goalies. Uh, Beebs, anything quickly to add on Gustafson or Copley? Uh, no, I think Copley's actually uh, behind Casey DeSmith, obviously, with the fill-in. Copley's my number one on this list. I just think uh, I, I think we have a starter there out on uh, out in L.A. Um, so I think he'll be around 60% soon enough. But Yeah, yeah they got, both well, deserve it for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, I just think, you know, um, Flurry might get a couple more starts just because of what's there. I don't even know why he would, but... But yeah, I mean, he really uh, hasn't been. I don't think like, he's played well of late. Yeah, huh? he's not been that bad. He's been really good. His last five starts, he's given up one goal, one goal, one goal, three goals, two goals. I mean, he's been yeah, he's been very quick. good. There's like I, no I think, signs of life. I mean, th- those are signs of life. Those are no five. No sorry. quick. Yeah. Oh, quick. Oh, quick. No, yeah, he's sorry. Yeah, he's he's non-existent. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, like been I said, great. I, I think Copley. Copley's certainly more serviceable right now. And like you said, Beebs, he really seems to have taken over that job. So if you're in the need for a starting goaltender, Copley would be my pick. I just think that, you know, the Minnesota Wild starting job obviously holds a little bit more upside than yeah, the Kings does. a little bit of a better team. Yeah, so if you're sitting pretty already and you want to swing for the fences or even just happy to take every other game for the Wild, um, certainly, you know, that'll be more productive on average than, than Copley for the Kings. But I, I think Copley's a great add too. A uh, bit of a tough stretch coming up for Copley. So if you're adding him now, you might be in for a rude awakening. But uh, I think he's got the Bruins, the Vegas Golden Knights, and the Edmonton Oilers in his next three starts. But, hey. He's going uh, three now. He, he, yeah, he's been great. Definitely a chance for him to continue to to roll along. And the last name we're going to talk about, 21% owned Uko Pekka Lukanen. 5-0-0 with a 9.25 save percentage in his last five games. He's really solidified this crease. Um, you know, even preseason when I was doing projections for for – Anderson and Eric Comrie. I also included projections for, for Lukanen. Cause I'm like, there's just no way that he doesn't come up at some point this season um, and, and play well. I mean, he he's, he's was a prize prospect what for a while does? and he's looked really, really solid this year. I mean, he looks very comfortable in that crease. And I think that, you know, after some, some issues kind of early in the season defensively, this Buffalo Sabres team is legit, man. Like they're they're a good hockey club. Like Tage Thompson, Alex Tuck, Jeff Skinner are, are an absolute force up front. And defensively, they've they've improved. They look a little bit better. And I, I think whoever gets the you know run in this crease is, is gonna be pretty serviceable. So I like Luke and his prospects, and it's really not like he's got anybody crazy breathing down his back. Like, I don't think that Yeah, Craig Anderson I, can't play more than 30% of games. He yeah, literally and, and Eric Connery was on waivers like 74 times, like two years ago. So yeah. like, I, I think that Lukanen has a chance to just stick with this job and be really good. And to me, he's super interesting at 21%. He's available in a lot more leagues than these other guys. And I think that he, he's legit. Well, yeah, he he absolutely killed his stats early on in the year, and I think that's why he's at twenty one percent because yeah, he's five and zero in his last 
Um, five starts. Five. Ninety-five, but on the year he has an eight ninety-four, and I think that's where people they'll look at him and they'll, even though they see those nice numbers in the last bit, um, and and this guy's a legit goaltending prospect, so uh, I really like him. I'm I'm more just mind blown that there are so many good goalies available when I feel like there's a lot of goalies who are like seventy percent owned in in the sixties that maybe shouldn't necessarily you know that I would want guys like. Looking in more cop- people just ca- carry the justices. goalies with big name like name value. That's it, yeah. And when and and, and I think I think uh, if there's ever been a goaltender, you know who we're gonna watch take a starting job on a team that's like you said legit unexpectedly. Um, it, it's 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 UPK or UPL um, out in out in uh, Buffalo. And I think we're seeing the real version of him um, now that he's nice and settled in there. And uh, you know, nine games showing last year, nine seventeen save percentage. So. That nine twenty five that he's had across the five his last five. I mean, it's not it's not crazy. No, D. Anything to add on UPL before we uh, get to D's weekend streamers? No, just that I would be weary of starting him in difficult matchups still because he's kind of yeah. gotten shelled in a few of those this year. But I agree. I think he's you know one of the he is one of the better goaltending prospects in the league. So to see him get this kind of chance this early is exciting. It's a team that's getting better. So definitely in dynasty leagues too. I think this is a great guy to go after. You know, he, while he has been lit up by like the Maple Leafs and the Lightning, he has also in his last in his five game winning streak, he's beaten Colorado, Vegas, Washington, and Boston. So he's beaten some good teams. He's you know still giving up goals in those games, but he's getting you W's. And you know, if he ends up being your number three goalie, then I think he you know he's like just so available that it doesn't make a lot of sense. But anyways. These weekend streamers, these guys are all available. So make sure you're streaming them this weekend and uh, get them in your lineup and dominate. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. But uh, D, who do you got? All right. So we actually are just going to keep it in the crease this weekend. Uh, streaming schedule hasn't quite lined up just yet as they're kind of recovering from that winter break. Uh, we got a busier Friday and Sunday than usual. Six games Friday, nine on Saturday eight on Sunday. So uh, certainly not a schedule for streaming. You should have close to a full lineup on all three nights as is. Uh, of course, we did just mention an abundance of viable options on the free agent market right now. If you are looking at getting an extra game into your lineup uh, on Friday or Sunday in terms of skaters, but otherwise we're just looking at tendies this weekend. Uh, there are seven teams with a back-to-back this weekend, which means we should see seven backups get into uh, action We've got the Boston Bruins, Columbus Blue Jackets, Detroit Red Wings, Minnesota Wild, San Jose Sharks, St. Louis Blues, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Right away, we can eliminate Boston and Toronto from the picture because you won't find any of their goalies available on the wire in standard size leagues. If you are in a shallower league, 
and Swayman is available. He's just 66% owed. Uh, then he obviously makes a great spot start this weekend or really anytime he goes between the pipes. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, uh, we're not going to take a look at Boston and Toronto simply because those guys won't be available. We're also going to eliminate the Blue Jackets and the Red Wings from the equation because, duh, they've got some pretty brutal matchups this weekend. Uh, the Blue Jackets play the Canes on Saturday before traveling to Washington on Sunday, while the Red Wings play the Panthers at home on Friday before heading to Toronto on Saturday. So no thank you to both of those. That leaves us with just the Wild, the Blues, and the Sharks. So Minnesota are in Buffalo on Saturday before traveling home to face the Blues on Sunday. You can expect the Wild to be favored to win both of their games this weekend with Friday's matchup against the Sabres more likely to be uh, or likely to be more of a coin flip considering that it's going to be in Buffalo. Uh, but Philip Gustafson, 34% owned. Obviously, we've already talked about him. He will be one of the top options again this weekend. Uh, even in shallower leagues, this will be a great game to add to your lineup. Uh, regardless of which one he gets, he's certainly worthy of a long-term roster spot like we talked about, especially if you have Flurry and you want to solidify that goaltender situation. Uh, like we said, though, Minnie's a very good team. Whoever's between the pipes for them this year will carry significant fantasy value, and that goes obviously for any given night. So uh, he's been splitting games with Flurry of late as he continues to challenge for the job. If that trend continues, you can expect Gus to get the second and more desirable of the two games this weekend, which will be uh, at home against the Blues. Don't worry about it being their second game in two nights because the blues will also be on the tail end of a back-to-back Sunday. Nice. Moving into those blues. They are in Montreal on Saturday before, as we said, traveling to Minnesota on Sunday. So obviously we are only interested in that first game against the Habs on Saturday. General wisdom, you know, would suggest Jordan Bennington, the starter will get the first of the two games and the widely available Thomas Grice would be left to play the wild on Sunday. However, the blues do have four games this week. You'd expect Bennington to start both Tuesday's game against the Leafs, which he did, and Thursday's game against the Devils. They could look to give him an extra days off uh, following a busy return from the break and go with Grice in the easier matchup, saving Bennington for the divisional class against the Wild. Like I said, it's against conventional wisdom, but certainly kind of all those uh, factors that would sometimes lead the, the coach to go the other way and start the backup the first game are kind of at play here. They've got a busy schedule leading up to it. You can get, uh, like I said, Bennington that extra day off and then have him go in that tougher divisional game on Sunday. So certainly one to monitor because Grice would be probably a top 10 play against the Habs on Saturday's slate, uh, but nothing more than a desperation play against the Wild on Sunday. So uh, tale of two matchups there. We really want to see him get that game on Saturday against the Habs. And then finally, we got the Sharks who are in Anaheim on Friday before taking on the Bruins at home on Saturday Obviously, we are only interested in whoever gets that game against the Ducks on Friday. You should not be touching Saturday's start against the Bruins with a 10-foot pole, but the Sharks should be favored in Friday's tilt in Anaheim. It's anyone's guess who gets which game for the Sharks this weekend, but the good news is they're both widely available. James Reimer, available in 75% of leagues. Capo Kakinen, available in 81%, so or 91%, excuse me. So either would be a risk to your splits, even against the Ducks, but they will have a great chance at adding to your win totals this week. Keep a close eye on, on DFO Friday. Uh, in the late morning, early afternoon, there's obviously a West Coast game. So depending what part of the continent you live on, uh, but we don't expect to have confirmation on Friday started before the game day morning skate. So look out for that one. Uh, like I said, a couple of situations to monitor in terms of who gets which games for both the Sharks and the Blues this weekend. But uh, if we're ranking the three options, of course, we got Gus, the darling, uh, the top spot, Philip Gustafson. Uh, and then if Grice goes against Montreal, I would put him in that two hole. If not, I'm like I said, really not interested in it. Uh, him playing in Minnesota on Sunday, certainly just a desperation play. Um, and then after that, I would have, like I said, whichever Sharks Pendy gets the game against the Ducks. Beebs, you got anything to add? Do you feel any differently at all uh, in terms of how we've uh, or how I've ranked those three? No, I mean, uh, there's no reason to ever question the stream god. Um, when it works, it works. But uh, but no, I'm right there with you. I think uh, I like it. I like it. Smart man. And uh, those West Coast games are fun, so. Maybe not for goalies, but yeah, regardless. Exactly. So yeah, just keep an eye on the matchup. See how they play out. Gustafson, if he's available, will be the top option this weekend. Uh, But if Grice gets that game against Montreal on Saturday, he'll be a great play as well. So just keep an eye, as always, on DFO. Um, That's going to do it for the DFO podcast, fantasy podcast. Brock had to step out a little bit early today to get to darts. Yes, Brock is an old man who enjoys playing darts. Uh Um, But yeah, we will see you guys back here on the normal day next week, out early Friday morning. Uh, and we hope you guys have a fantastic week, and we'll see you guys all soon. Yeah, and uh, we're just watching Canada take on the U.S. in the World Juniors, so go Canada, go. But um, I think Brock actually stepped away to go pick up like half of these free agents in our fantasy league, so we're on to him. Have a great week.
Peace. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.